Hey, Myrna lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Spadina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. What do we need to talk about today? Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson. You're going to have to give me the update on that. His lawyers are right now preparing for a retrial regarding his sentencing. But his lawyers have basically said that they have new witnesses who are claiming they saw Lacey Peterson alive after the estimated time of her murder. They're also claiming that they know who, like, the real killers are. Or at least have, like... They have new witnesses and suspects that they believe really, like, killed Lacey, and the witnesses can basically prove that. Hmm. So I'll be really curious to see what comes with it. Right now it's kind of mum, um, but they're, like, really indicating that they've got they've got some stuff. Yeah, okay. I mean, of course I'm interested. I want to see what they came up with, you know, who they dug up, because we all know there was a lot of people that were left off the stand, so... Right like no matter what happens i feel like there are always going to be people that believe very strongly one way or the other yeah so yeah i'm curious to see what they come up with um when do we have a date for that they are going to reconvene on june 21st oh okay so coming up the attorneys on scott peterson's side submitted a motion on april 27th they asked for 60 days of discovery and um, the judge granted that, so they will be reconvening on June 21st to go from there. Coming up. Awesome. Yep. So we'll continue to watch and update you guys. I am about to share this story on our stories, though, because it's bananas. Okay. Ah, I'm losing my mind. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, so Kenzie, just so you guys know what's going on, Kenzie just found something on the internet that I have not been made aware of, so we're finding out together. (laughs) So there's been an update in the Josh Duggar case. Oh, shit. So he virtually appeared in court. I believe he appeared in court today. Yes, today. And today is May 5th, um, but you guys will not hear this episode, obviously, until like next week at this point. So, um, So he virtually appeared in court on May 5th, and... Well, you said there was a trigger warning on Yeah, so the, the article, article itself is, uh, this is, yeah, I should probably, trigger warning. This article contains graphic dis- details of child abuse. So oh, Josh Duggar virtually appeared in court for a detention hearing regarding his arrest. And Homeland Security Investigation Special Agent Gerald Faulkner, or Gerald Faulkner, Faulkner however you want to pronounce it, claimed the former TLC reality star's computer had downloaded multiple files depicting child sex abuse on three separate days on May, in May of 2019. Faulkner said one of the files allegedly showed children who were 18 months to 12 (gasps) years old being sexually abused. According to Faulkner, the images were, quote, in the top five of the worst of the worst I have ever had to examine. Oh. My the computer God. itself was registered to an IP address located at the car dealership where Josh worked at the time, which yep. is exactly what I said. That's yep. why they raided the car dealership, because that's where he was keeping all of his stuff. They said they couldn't confirm at the time if Josh was the one to download the content. In November 2019, they raided the establishment and seized computers. They found software on Josh's computer that is basically like intended to 
It's like called hide IP addresses. It's called Covenant Eyes. So according to the Covenant Eyes website, the program is intended to help those struggling with porn addiction and alerts the individual's partner whenever they access pornography. What? He's a registered member, and Anna Duggar received reports of his online activity. Whoa. However, Faulkner claimed that Josh's activity was not monitored by the program because he was using a password-protected network. Oh, my God. What? He has been granted bail. He has been ordered to stay with family friends who have agreed to be his third-party custodians. He has to wear a GPS anklet. He's unable to access the internet. He can visit his children while his wife supervises. Oh, my God. I can't even believe this. I'm, like, legitimately having a heart attack on the inside. I don't even think I can record after this. I need a timeout. Whoa. I cannot believe they're going to let him near his kids. He is not allowed to live with minor children if he's granted bail, but he is allowed to see them as long as Anna is there. Which I'm kind of like, why would you? What let is she him? gonna do? Yeah, she's right. She clearly knows there's a problem. Uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's intense. Eighteen month olds. Eighteen months old being sexually abused. A year and a half. Like wow. And for somebody that does this for a living, saying that this is top five worst of the worst he's ever seen, that's That's intense. That's really bad. That is awful. Oh, my God. Ew. That guy is such scum. So you guys will probably see the link on our Instagram story because I already posted it. So some of you will have read it by this point. But I'm I'm actually nauseous. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That is. okay. I was expecting bad. Yeah. But that is... I don't understand why we continue to give people like this access to kids. Yeah. I don't care if they're his own kids. Like, I don't... You don't have that right anymore. Okay. Hard transition. Yeah. (laughs) I guess do I I'm just I'll probably just get started. I'll probably just put some music in between or something. It's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. In lighter news, our story today. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is not gonna be lighter, I assume. Um Is it? Not okay. So today's episode is not about murder per se. It's another mystery. Okay. okay. I'm on a mystery train right now, so jump aboard the mystery train. Um so <laughs> actually don't jump aboard because um you might go missing Stranger i don't know <laughs> that's true kind of like uh the what is fuck, scooby-doo or whatever with the yeah. <laughs> mystery machine yes <laughs> jump on the mystery machine so we uh, so today i'm going to cover the case of amy lynn bradley um and i think i was telling you a little bit about this before maybe that in a lot of cases especially when people go missing that People tend to use, especially the media, their full names, Mm -hmm. just because if you go to Google someone by their just first and last name, especially like Amy Bradley might be very common. So they throw in the middle name so the searches can be more pinpointed to that person and to that case. So if you Google Amy Bradley, I'm sure you get all kinds of LinkedIn results. But if you Google Amy Lynn Bradley, you're going to find a lot more specifically to this case. So Amy Lynn Bradley, to keep it short and go straight to the point, and I'm just going to work backwards. um, She went missing on a cruise ship. 
Which is just terrifying to me. That's my worst, like, actually, that's not my worst fear, but that is a fear of mine. Yeah, it's a legitimate fear. The fact that, like, if a crime happens on a cruise ship, that there's no jurisdiction. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. No, it's terrifying. And so with a lot of boats and a lot of cruises, um, obviously that industry has slowed down a lot right now. But just since 2000, and we're in 2021, there's been upwards of like 300 plus people that have either gone missing, murdered, disappeared from cruise ships all around the world. I know that seems like a negligible amount compared to the amount of people that take cruises. Mm-hmm. But I mean, one is too many, right? Yeah. But we're at like 300 in the last two decades. So um, yeah, legitimate fear. Yeah. Because A, even though I can swim, I'm not a great swimmer. But oceans terrify me. I was going to say, I'm not like an ocean swimmer. Right. Which is completely different. And um, just like the, I mean, yeah, no. Plus, I'm so cynical. I'd probably like watch Titanic on a cruise and freak myself out. Anyway. So, Amy Lynn Bradley, um, she was 23 years old when this happened. So, she was born on May 12th, 1974. She was born in Petersburg, Virginia. And at 23 years old, she had just graduated college. She gotten a degree in physical education and she had just graduated and had gotten her first place. She had a small little bulldog named Bailey. Cute. Super cute, I'm sure. And... Wait, a French bulldog or an English bulldog? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I I need to know the answers to Uh, these important questions. Okay. I hope it's a Frenchie. Anyway, moving Maybe. on. Maybe. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, she had a she had a little bulldog. She had just gone her own place. She was beginning life right after college, mm-hmm. right? So she had gone to college on a full basketball scholarship. Oh. And she was also a trained life uh, lifeguard. She was a good swimmer by everyone that knows her. Although... Now, in retrospect, her family says that, and friends also say this, that she was afraid of ocean swimming. She didn't think that she would be a good swimmer out in open seas. It's very different than a swimming pool. Find me somebody that feels confident in that. (laughs) Unless you're like a triathlon runner or something like that, then you probably don't do a lot of open water swimming, which is completely different than a swimming pool, than, you know, a lap pool, whatever. Right. Right around this time that she had just graduated, had gone to her apartment, her dad, who was an insurance salesman, his name was Ron, Ron Bradley, had won a cruise ship due to his sales and got to take his whole family if he wanted to. You mean he won a cruise ship trip? Yes. Okay. I thought you meant he, he actually won, won a whole ship. No, I'm like, sorry. Wow. He won a trip on a cruise, um, and it was like a business thing. Everyone in the, you know, the top performers were going, etc. So he and his wife, Iva, and they, of course, asked Amy to come along. It would be a great, like... Uh, you know, beginning to a new chapter in her life, last one of those last family trips kind of thing together because, you know, all the kids are getting older and moving out, all these things. And so Ron, his wife, Iva, Amy, and their son, Brad. Brad Bradley. That's terrible. <laughs> it's great like, parenting. Um, uh, even Stevens for their name. Yeah. 
Wasn't it Steve Stevens? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Brad Bradley and Brad and Amy were really close brother and sister. So they hung out a lot together and they, you know, they loved each other. So to prepare for the trip, um, Amy had left the dog with, with some family and friends. And then she, I'm telling you this part because it goes to show that there wasn't any, because at some point someone said maybe she disappeared willingly. And mm-hmm. I think this completely throws that out the window. She had bought another dog that she planned on picking up the day after they got back from the cruise. Yeah, no, you don't go and do that if right. you're coming back, if you're not coming back. Right. Yeah. So they did that. And then she had also scheduled some classes because she was also a swim coach with a kid that uh, in a family that she had just met in back in her hometown she would be teaching them at the ymca the weekend after so she totally had plans to come back there was no reason why she wouldn't have come back life was good for her at this point and she you know it was a seven-day cruise that they planned on going on um it was docking out of puerto rico it was going to go to um saint thomas aruba curacao not Curacu, like I've heard on other podcasts, <laughs> or <laughs> ask Kara how to say I'm like, how do you say Curacao? And she goes, Curacacao. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about now. <laughs> Curacacao. Like, now that you've said it like that, I know exactly the place you're talking about. <laughs> but um, even though it was just a seven-day trip, Amy packed over 15 pairs of shoes, which... Same. I would do the exact same thing because, you know, you have your formal nights, you have your flip flops, you need tennis shoes for activities. Yeah. If you're going to, you know, she's single. Like what, She the, was single. Yeah, let her live. Go ahead. You know, so 15 pairs of shoes for seven days. I can't blame a girl. Why yeah. not? And, you know, I've never been on a cruise, but the itinerary is usually full of things. It's usually planned fun. So like I said, there's like a formal dinner. You know, there's days that you can just sit on the, on the docks or on the on the outside of the ship where there's pools. There's all kinds of bars inside. And then there's also the element that when they dock at certain areas, you go out and walk into the town, you walk into the city and explore. So you need, you know, other shoes that you can walk around in. So... They get on the boat, they get on the cruise, and the first and second day, everything goes as planned. There's even a picture uh, of the of the four of them right as they're getting on the cruise that one of the photographers on the boat took of them. This was all in 1998. Okay. So you got to remember, no cell phones. So at this point, they're relying on this cruise ship photographer to take pictures okay. and to capture their memories. She had also taken with her 15 rolls of film, which <laughs> film. <Sheesh. laughs> She had this idea in mind that she was going to come back and do like a, she had a coffee table mm-hmm. that she had a piece of glass over that she planned on collaging with her pictures underneath. Cute. So 1998. Yeah. Totally. I think I had one of those. I was going to say, I could see school. you doing something yeah. like that. And like pose yeah. pictures, like the mall pictures and everything like, like that. There's this entire I mean, room is covered in photos. There's but. 2021 <laughs> and I'm covered in photos. So... There's all these things that tell you that she had plans that she wasn't suicidal. She wasn't planning on disappearing or walking away from her family or her situation. She had plans on coming back. So when they went to Puerto Rico to get on the cruise ship, um, she even sent her uh, 
closest friends some postcards from there saying you should see the buildings or the you should see the structures in this place it's beautiful wish you were here I'm having such a good time already so everything seemed great first second day goes great on the ship and one of the day the second day her parents were her family was having breakfast and one of the waiters came up or one of the staff came up to them and was asking about where she was. They had already, you know, chit-chatted her up. And these are just people, members of the crew. And they were asking her, or sorry, they asked for her and told her brother, Brad, that when they docked in Aruba, they wanted to take her to a club called Carlos and Charlie. Also, fun fact, the club that we believe Natalie Holloway disappeared from. Oh. Yeah. In when Aruba. When did Natalie Holloway disappear? Aruba. No, what year? Oh, uh, 2005? Like early 2000s. Okay, okay. So, um, so when she, uh, Amy came back to the table and her family was telling her that some of the crew was looking for her and that they were like kind of interested in hanging out with her outside of the ship, she was like, not interested. I don't want to hang out with someone that I don't know outside of the ship, outside of this cruise, because yeah. that's just weird. Because that's how you disappear. Hello. She she was, like, not interested, right? So her family was like, eh, that's weird then, that because they thought you were interested, and they're coming up to us and talking to us like you were. Yeah. That third night is when they had a formal dinner night. Everyone got dressed up. These are the pictures that we now see of her that are plastered everywhere. She's wearing a black halter top. And she was like the quintessential late 90s girl. She had all the tattoos that you would if you think 90s. That's so funny. She had she had a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball on her shoulder. That's so funny. She had a sun on her lower back. So tramp stamp. That sounds, yes. Super 90s. Yeah. She had a Chinese character on her ankle and a gecko or lizard uh, around her belly button and her belly button pierced. And she also had like four or five piercings running up and down her ear. So she had, and she, she had like a cute little pixie cut right before the trip. She went from blonde to brunette just because, you know, fun trip, new color, all these things. Yeah. She's in a big transition phase. Exactly. She's starting a new chapter in her life. And so that night they go to that dinner. She's wearing a black halter top. Her and her, and her brother take really cute pictures. He's wearing like a jacket and like, you know, cute little tie and all these things. They're looking super cute. Um, and they're hanging out. They go to a Calypso party later that evening, all within the boat. And eventually her mom and dad go to bed. They're tired. You right. know, they're letting the kids have their fun. And then brother and sister, Amy and Brad, stay at the Calypso party a little bit later. And then Brad goes to the bedroom, retires to go to sleep, whatever. They are sharing a bedroom or a suite with mom and dad. So they have a shared balcony. Mm-hmm. 5.30 in the morning rolls around. This is the same day that they're going to be docking in Curacao. And the dad wakes up. Ron wakes up. He's still waking up. He knows that the docking is coming soon. He looks out the window and in the balcony, he sees Amy laying on a chair. 
kind of just resting. He doesn't see her face or her body, just her legs. And he remembers seeing her cigarettes and lighter laying beneath her. And she's got a very, like, the tattoos make it obvious. Oh, yeah. It's her. Yeah. He's like, I saw her at 530 in the morning. He kind of just rolled back over. And it's one of those things where, you know, there's no alarm, but you close your eyes for what you think is two minutes. It ends up being 45 minutes. Yeah. So around 6, 6, 10, he wakes up and she's no longer in the balcony, at least from what he can see. So he gets up. He's looking for her. Different accounts say different things. Some say that there's sheer panic right off the bat. But others say, no, at that moment, he just thought, oh, she went up to the upper deck to have a smoke. And yeah, I don't think you six would o'clock in the automatically morning. panic. Right. And at this point, the boat's still moving. Yeah. They haven't docked yet in Curacao. So... Caracacao. Caracacao. So <laughs> they... So uh, what we know is that he, I guess, walks around the boat a little bit, can't find her, can't find her. This is a ship with 3,000 people. Right. Okay. It's huge. It's full of people. And he can't find her, so he comes back a little bit later, almost around 7. And then at that point, he wakes up Iva, his wife. And Iva recounts that the moment she woke up and saw Ron's face, that's when she knew something was wrong, something's up, and that's when he told her he can't find Amy. So Brad and Ron are all walking around the ship looking for Amy, and they eventually go to the ship's security and to the captain. And they're like, hey, is there any way you can announce it on the loudspeaker? Like, hey, Amy, you know, meet your party in the, you know, cafeteria for all I know in the dock or whatever. And the captain refuses. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. It would cause panic to everyone else on the boat. Mm-hmm. It would make everyone else concerned that there's someone missing. But... I'll have my security team go check every nook and cranny. They supposedly start doing that. And Ron, Iva, and Brad, they ask again, hey, is there any way you can do it on the loudspeaker? He says no. And he, they also plead with the captain, please don't let anyone off the boat yet. We can't find her. And mind you, this is a really big ship. Yeah. Right? It's not a little yacht. It's a huge, huge thing. Right. He, of course, says no. We got to keep on a schedule. I can't keep everyone basically hostage on this boat because you can't find one person. It's very reasonable that you can't find her because it's just a huge place. Right. So they dock. They dock in Curacao. There's no way to check 3,000 people getting off that boat. And mind you, in 1998, the laws for people... Coming in, checking passports, going into town. is not a thing yet. Not a thing yet. Yeah. You know, there's no way of knowing if she came off that ship willingly. What they know at this point is that the balcony that they had had a landing underneath. So falling off would have been really hard to do, at least into the water. She would have had to like propel herself. Exactly. There was no signs of her falling. There was no, you know clothing there was no blood there it didn't look like there was any foul play at least in the room all of her belongings were in the room identification cards credit cards 
her 15 pairs of shoes, all of her clothes, all of her cameras, all of her belongings were in the room except for her cigarettes and lighter, which is why it's believed that maybe she did go up to the upper deck right at the beginning to have a smoke. So they can't find her. The parents are freaking out. They go into Curacao. They can't find anyone. Uh, They can't find her at all. And they decide to stay in Curacao because they can't find her because they tried going to the American embassy. It was closed that day, so they had to wait to, for a day to be open. They finally contacted the I feel FBI. Like that's a really big gamble. Huge gamble. Because what if she's stashed on the boat somewhere? So the, they finally contacted the FBI, and they were told, we can't make it there for 24 hours. Just because they don't have jurisdiction. Yeah. Like you were talking about. The jurisdiction for the ship falls on the country that they're flagged in. So for this one, it was a Norwegian flag that was flying on the ship. So you, the, the U.S. FBI can't just come in, knock on doors and be like, hey, we're here. You can't do that. You have to get permission. So it was 24 hours before they got contacted by the FBI. And the FBI was like, well, really, you should have stayed on the ship. But we'll come out and help. And that's when the FBI contacted the captain and the security team, and they were told that they eventually figured out that the ship crew had not actually done a thorough search of the ship. What they had done is they had only looked in common areas and in bathrooms. So they didn't look anywhere else. So much for checking every nook and cranny. Exactly. The parents got back on the ship five days later, back in St. Thomas. And when they got back on the ship, there was these two girls that came up to the parents and were like, aren't you looking for a girl? And they're like, we've been looking for you where you've been. Remember, the parents and family had stayed in Curacao for the five days until the boat came back around the board in St. Thomas. They're like, we've been looking for you. We think we saw her the day that she went missing at around six o'clock in the morning going up the elevator with the guy from the band, Alistair Douglas, a.k.a. Yellow. Like, his nickname is the color Yellow. She's like, we saw them right before they got... We were outside because we were waiting for this to dock in Curacao. We were by the elevators just sitting down, and we saw Yellow and this girl who looks like the girl you're looking for. And he handed her a drink. It was a dark drink. So it was either something like Coca-Cola or coffee. And they boarded the elevator. And then about 10 minutes later, again, we're still there. He comes out of the elevator, but she doesn't. So the parents don't know this till five days later. Oh, my gosh. So then the FBI does a polygraph test on yellow. Mm-hmm. And they do this with the security uh, or the lawyer for the ship with them in the room and they ask him like hey were you hanging out with her and he's like yeah we were hanging out the calypso night you know the the day that we had that party he was part of the the band blue orchid and he's like we hung out a little bit we parted ways around like i don't know one thirty or two o'clock in the morning i mean we were like in the same dance floor but we weren't like dancing together the polygraph test results were inconclusive but because it's inconclusive well polygraph tests in general um you can't really you know pin someone on disappearance or a murder because of a polygraph test 
Um, but as soon as he came out of the room, because they cleared him at that point, because they had no evidence otherwise. Right. He came out of the room. Ron was outside of the room. And Yellow gave the dad a thumbs up, like, all clear. And That's continued down the wall. The hall. Sorry. Yeah. Absolutely poor taste. Awful. Yeah. So. Don't care for him at all. No. No one does. <laughs> um. So, there was no evidence of foul play at this point. It's just a missing girl. They did a, an ocean search for two days. They couldn't find anything. And they couldn't, they, you know, nobody showed up on shore at this point. There was no evidence of anyone being on the ocean. So, they called off the search only after two days. The parents eventually had to fly back home without Amy. I wonder at what point a ship docks and they, like, you know, because it's basically a floating waste basket. So, like, yep. do you get rid of trash? Do you get rid of... So, like... that's the thing. Okay. So, part of the theories that have been floating around is that was she made unconscious either by this drink that mm-hmm. someone handed her that early morning? Um, you know, potentially, did she just go up to have a smoke and then encounter him again? Or, you know, was she incapacitated to some extent, either struck on the head or something? And exactly to your point where waste laundry has to be taken down to be, you know, refreshed or whatever while they're docked, at least in 1998. What I'm imagining is like big laundry rolling baskets. Mm-hmm. A petite girl is going to fit in one of those. See, that's where I'm thinking it's like a big waste, like one yeah. of those big industrial trash exactly. can things. Like a feel like bin, that's not, like yeah. a rolling bin. Yeah. yeah. And then when they dock in Caracacow, yeah. <laughs> um, they, they like, they, that that's where they dump their trash. Right. And also at this point in, in 98, there's no, checkpoints are not as restrictive as they are nowadays right by no stretch of the imagination 98 we had no like you know taking your shoes off at the airport was never a thing so yeah 9-11 hadn't happened yet right and i don't know how that works in other countries right and i mean that's a cruise ship where they have three thousand people yeah eager to go spend their money so they're just gonna let you through yeah and when it's a cruise ship or a crew team that you know, comes through once a week and you probably already know them. I'm sure they just kind of like wave them through. Yeah. You know, so the parents get back home um, and then they get a call a couple weeks later from us because the parents hit the ground running when they came back to the U.S. They did every show that they possibly could. They put up reward money. Uh, Ron's boss was helping financially a lot. Which is good. Some people think it's fishy. I think it's nice. Yeah. Um, so he was helping financially, like, you know, helping put up the reward money or just any finances that the parents needed at this point. Um, although they had donations starting to come in because obviously reward is going to try and, you know, ruffle some feathers. So uh, eventually one of the people that was watching the, the newscast or a newscast called in and he said i don't want reward money but i'm a scuba instructor i was loading up my gear i was finishing up a dive and there was this girl on the beach that was being flanked by two guys and then when she realized i spoke english 
she started walking towards me. And when the guy saw her like walking towards me with a purpose, they like pulled her away and pulled her into a cab. And he said, as she was walking away, I noticed a scar on her leg, on her shin, which the parents confirmed was true. And he said, I remember her pointing at some tattoos as she was like in the cab. And at this point, it was so fresh that not many people were reporting about the tattoos. And he also noted that she had very green eyes, which the pictures and flyers that were in Curacao at that point were all black and white. Mm -hmm. So really, you couldn't have known those details unless you actually had seen her. So He would have had to be very close to her, though, yes. to see her eye color. Ron and Brad flew back to Curacao, and they were scouting. They were looking looking for her, literally just in the streets, um, trying to follow this lead. And Brad recounts that as they were, um, you know, in the street, he heard what he believes to his, in his heart was Amy calling, calling out to him saying Brad from a van. He heard it from a van. So him and Ron followed this van for an unknown amount of time. And they literally pulled it over until they confirmed that it was only a man in that van. There was no one else in that van. And Brad said, one of two things happened. Either I heard what I wanted to hear and it didn't really happen or we followed the wrong van. He's like, but I think, I, I know I heard Amy calling out my name. So that happened. Unfortunately, no Amy was found at that point. And there's no body at this point. Mm -hmm. And so Ron and, and Brad get back on a plane to come back to Virginia. While they're on the plane, unbeknownst to them, Iva gets a call from the FBI saying that they had found a pelvic bone on the beach of Curacao. They eventually determined, because they had to do all these testings and everything, that it was a male pelvic bone. And then, so they, they kept, you know, trying to keep a spotlight on everything that's happening. There's still reward money out there. Mm -hmm. And with reward money, unfortunately, I think that sometimes brings out the worst in people. Yeah. So there was this woman named Margarita that called in saying, I think I saw your, your daughter and she is being held by two Colombian armed men in like this shacky apartment in Curacao. And I'm pretty sure it's her. And at this point, she describes the tattoos. But at this point, tat the tattoos are very well known because yeah. it's months later. So the parents are holding out hope, right? Mm -hmm. And then they also get a call from a Frank Jones. Frank Jones tells them that he's special forces, that he has this all this training in recovering people who are in this exact same situation, that if the price is right, he would put his men in danger's way to try and recover her. If the price is right? So, wow. For $200,000, he nope. will do the recon. Fraud. The parents Paid muster it. up the money. Oh, no. They sell their car. Ron's boss tips in. 
And so they go a couple months with the hope that it is Amy that is being held by kidnappers or just being held in general. So he's stringing them along saying, I have my men on this. We see her. We're, you know, we're doing recon on the house. We know it's her. And then at some point the parents are like, okay, can we, can we do this operation? Can you go in and get her, you know, before something worse happens? He's like, oh yeah, let's do it. But you know, this is more risky. I need more money. So he wants another $100,000 and the parents are like, can you give us any proof that it's Amy? Send us a picture, show us it's Amy. He sends them a picture of a girl with a sun hat sitting on the beach, her back to the picture with a man sitting next to her. And on the picture, you can see the Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball. Parents are like, yup, let's do it. Absolutely. Let us send you the money. And Ron and Iva go and sit in a hotel in Florida because that, that would be the first place that someone could fly into. That's, um, and Ron's boss is paying for them to go to Florida and wait there. They wait five days for this operation to happen for him to rescue Amy when one of Mr. Jones's henchmen has a remorseful heart and he calls them and he's like, nope, Jones is lying to you. He's been lying to you this whole time. He's been spending your money at bars. He has never seen Amy. The woman in the picture was because he went to a tattoo artist had them make a stencil and put it on a random girl's shoulder. Oh my God. I mean, I could have seen this coming from a mile away, but also like, wow, people are the worst. Absolutely terrible. So then... Also, people like this, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like People that actually specialize in this kind of thing aren't going to ask you for $300,000 to do it. Like, these are the type of people that get involved in nonprofits and they do Mm -hmm. it for free. Yeah. Operation Underground Railroad, that guy does it all for free like he's yeah. not charging for that yeah this this guy it was like the lowest of scum like why would you do that to a family so he eventually pled guilty oh he got caught and yeah charged? Good. oh yeah good he got charged he went to jail for five years and he had to pay everything back good. i obviously i don't know if they ever recovered all that money right. but um looks like justice was served stateside on that um because he lied completely so there's that And then a couple, I think it was like in 1999, a couple years later, they get a call from a guy who had watched the show, one of the specials um, on Amy's disappearance. And he calls the parents um, saying that he was part of the Navy, the U.S. Navy, and they had stopped in Curacao and that he went to a brothel back in 1999 so about a year after her disappearance and that now seeing the pictures he realizes it might have been amy a woman at one of these brothels that once she realized he spoke english approached him and begged him for help he said what do you need help with and she said i can't get out and he said well there's a navy boat docked over there you can go ask them for help 
And he did that because he said he didn't want to personally help her because he didn't want to get in trouble for being at a brothel while being on deployment. Wow. Yeah. So the FBI followed up on this, trying to find the brothel. Yeah. When he finally had come forward with this, that he had the sighting back in 1999, by now the brothel had been burnt down unrelated yeah, it's not like she can just walk but, across the street to the hello? navy ship and be like hey hey guys i'm being kidnapped i'm being held as a sex captive like you know you can't she's asking you for help dude yeah you're a piece of crap for not helping someone yeah like no matter what your repercussion like make up a story i was walking by this building and i heard something hello yeah. make anything up so yeah so this guy he says he feels bad for it and he probably does um, I mean, there's no 100% way sure to make sure that it was Amy, but it sounds like it was Amy. So there's that story. And then in 2005, um, this woman came forward. I believe her name was Judy, that she was in Aruba and at a department store in a mall. And she said that she was in the bathroom and outside the bathroom, she heard a lot of commotion and, like, a lot of really bad yelling. So she kind of, like, hung, like got up on the toilet seat and sat down, like, hit her legs kind of thing. Yeah. But she heard these men yelling at this woman, like, the deal's going to go down at 11. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. And then she heard someone come into the bathroom and there was this woman, like, crying into the sink. So she came out. She goes, oh, honey, you know, what's your name? She goes, I'm, oh, I'm Amy. She goes, oh, my daughter's name is Amy. And she goes, where are you from? And she whispered, Virginia. But then she was, you know, trying to find this common ground with her and was like, oh, you know, what's going on? My daughter's name is Amy, too. She's like, be quiet. Like, don't say my name. And then the men came into the bathroom, shoved her out. And then she's the woman said that she came out and there was four men on this girl. But she swears up and down it was Amy. (sighs) Yeah. Just a little baffled at like how... There's so many sightings of her. Yeah, and, like, fairly consistent as far as the story of, like, her being surrounded by men and stuff like that. And everybody's like, all right, well. Yeah. So, like I said, a very important piece of this is that the family has, like, never given up hope type of thing. Yeah. So, one of the specials that they ran, someone was watching. um, Actually, the photographer from the boat was watching. And he realized that they weren't playing the videos of the Calypso night. So he's like, wait, I gave those to the FBI. Why aren't they part of this special? Like, you know, that's moving pictures of her. You know, it's a movie. It'll, it'll show her in more detail, like what she was wearing that night, etc. what kind of mindset she was in. He's like, I gave those videos up, the originals. And then, so we have those videos now, which show that Yellow and Amy were dancing at 4.30 in the morning. So his story of last seeing her at 1.30 in the morning Mm -hmm. are completely debunked by the video footage of them dancing together on the dance floor at 4.30 in the morning. So a lot later than he had said. And I get it. He might have been drunk, whatever. But you don't lose four hours. No. No, definitely not. Especially when he was interviewed by the FBI and they did the lie detector test. It was fresher on his mind then. 
And then also there's those girls that saw him potentially with her on the elevator at like six o'clock in the morning. But if they saw her, well, yeah, I guess then she would have left the, that's a very short amount of time for her to leave the dance floor, go back to her suite, have her dad see her and then go back and be gone again. Yep. The, the parents eventually filed with the U.S. courts to have her declared dead or mm-hmm. deceased so they could criminally pursue the ship for negligence. And eventually that case was dropped because the court and the cruise line proved that the parents were misrepresenting the facts and this is only because when they filed the case, they said that they had like three or f- only three or four eyewitnesses that had seen her when really the cruise ship proved that they had something more of like upwards of like 15 or 20 witnesses that had seen her. So because of that technicality of the misrepresentation of the case, mm-hmm. the parents case was thrown out against the cruise ship for like negligence. Yeah. So, the parents still... They just cannot catch a break. I know. Um, So, then, after that case was dropped and everything, the parents got another very terrifying picture. This time, it was anonymously sent to them, and it was from an escort service in the Caribbean, and it has a picture of a woman who was... The name on on the website is Jazz... But I'm going to show you this picture. I kid you not. I think it's Amy. Okay. So they got this picture. Um, a couple of pictures. They're, they look like Amy. Obviously a couple years older. And with very heavy makeup on. With like teased hair. Looks very uncomfortable. Looks disheveled. So the parents were sent these pictures from what someone found these pictures on an escort page for what is called an adult vacation in the Caribbean in the Caribbean. And they had a forensic analysis done on it on the pictures. And the guy who did the forensic analysis on the pictures, you'll hear this across every platform that you if you want to research this case yourself. He said he's willing to bet his career on it that it's Amy. The bend on the ear. That's what I was just looking at because the ear looks different to me, but it's at a different angle. The nose, the chin, the hairline. There's even like an indentation on her elbow that looks exactly the same. I'll show you a side by side. If you keep scrolling. um, Left or right. There's like a picture that has all the side by sides. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see it. So... There's all these comparisons that show uh, similarities between the pictures, at least of the last known picture of Amy and this picture of potentially her at one of the, you know, escort services yeah. for the Caribbean. So um, that is where we're at. I mean, the parents are holding out hope that she's alive, very likely not in the most ideal situation or in any type of comfortable situation. But... Um, you don't keep somebody in human trafficking for this many for years. For that long. No. That's the issue. And that she's at this getting point, she would have been 40-something. Yeah. Right. So that's the story of Amy Lynn Bradley. That's horrible. Yeah. 
at one point the crews tried telling the parents like well maybe it was suicide maybe she decided to jump off or maybe she just wanted to disappear and there's so many other indicators that that was not the case like i said no she was gonna get a puppy she had just graduated college um she left all her belongings behind there's so many indications and it's just terrifying that someone could disappear from a cruise ship because it's this contained vessel (laughs) you really shouldn't go disappearing unless you are intending to yeah um but it's very very likely i mean the, the the commonly agreed upon theory is that either this yellow guy or just someone on the crew thought she was a cute girl and wanted to kidnap her for Make some money sex slave yeah for sex trafficking so that's the common theory that she was taken away and kidnapped for that and probably taken away in one of those laundry carts or trash bins um outside the dock wow. yeah when they docked in curacao correct cow so that's the story <sighs> Don't know if I want to go on a cruise ship anytime soon. Me neither. The boat or the ship that they were on is actually still circulating as a working boat for the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. It's the Rhapsody of the Seas. Okay. We will avoid that one. Well, actually, I want to go on that one. <laughs> okay. Have fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a very interesting story. I mean, there is hundreds of other stories out there like natalie holloway that you know disappeared in the caribbean um but interesting uh, another interesting fact her mom natalie's mom mrs holloway um hosts a show and her parents amy's parents went on and, and did an interview with her because natalie's mom is a huge advocate for missing endangered women and just yeah. you know being an advocate of keeping that on the forefront because you never know if she's still alive, yeah. When someone will see her, you know, yeah. And I mean, Curacao is an island that is forty miles wide. It's not very big. Not big at all. But that's where I would be surprised if she was even there anymore. Like right. that's where the sightings kind of like I'm like, mm. I mean, there's a usually they on the road. move yeah. them pretty quickly. Oh yeah, for I'm that sure. purpose. Um, there was also a jawbone that washed up ashore and it's really interesting because this was after Natalie had disappeared. Yeah. So they found a jawbone on the shoreline that had one tooth on it. They ruled it out as Natalie's, but they have not tested it for anyone else. All they know that it's for a Caucasian woman. Yeah. Don't love that. Yeah. I know you're in like a whole mystery thing, but I hate not knowing what happens. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, oh. I know. Every time somebody sends me, somebody sent us a, who was that? Which one of you did this to me? <laughs> sent us a, a cold case or something like that, or an unsolved case. And I was like, I'm going to float this one to Fatina. You know what's funny? I was just reading an article. I don't know the specific numbers on this. I do know that just because of this pandemic year uh, and people being quarantined or having more time available, like couch detectives are on fire. And just a couple unsolved mist or uh, cold cases have been solved just in this last like year or so, from people just digging up old That's stuff. Amazing, like a uh, zodiac, that was solved in oh, the yeah. last year. Well, it wasn't solved, but well, the, one of his things was decoded by big, big move forward. 
big move forward on it. Was it? Yeah. It literally told us nothing, but they decoded yeah, but something. They decoded something. Yeah. It's it's like finally finding a piece of the a puzzle that forward, you were missing. Yeah. yeah. So um, do your thing. If you're going to Aruba, if you're going to Krakow, Krakow <laughs> soon, <laughs> keep an eye out. We'll post pictures. It's really interesting because I truly believe that the the pictures in this escort page could be could be Amy. Um, it's very, very, very possible. Keep your loved ones near if you're going on a cruise. I would say get an air tracker for them. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, it's totally different now because people have cell phones. You could call someone. You could, you know, find my friend someone. But back in 98, there's no cell phones. I mean, if you had one, it was the size of a shoe. But you couldn't just call someone and, um, you know, and try and find them. Yeah. If it was me, and if I was in that situation, I I am I have no shame. I would have literally walked around yelling, um, yeah, and like literally had a created family a member scene. at every door. Oh, absolutely, yeah. create a um, scene. I would have created a scene. I would have been at the door making sure everyone that's walking out is not my daughter. That's just me. And and that's the other thing. The boat kind of dismissed everything at the beginning because she wasn't. A kid because she mm. was a 23 year old right you know that yeah so that changed yeah. everything and just like the urgency of everyone treating this case right off the bat just because she wasn't a kid and you know if regrets yeah yeah it's not the same thing as if you're looking for you know five ten year old 13 year old right. um and sex trafficking is not your First thought when you're thinking 23-year-old. You're thinking at this point accident. Especially in the 90s. Right. Yeah. I do have a What the Florida today. Do you? Yeah, you already know what it is, but I just haven't plugged it into an episode yet. Okay. Uh, so, Dree sent this over, one of our Patreons and one of our very early subscribers. Oh, yeah. So, um, hey, Dree. Hi, Dree. <laughs> What's up, girl? She sent this over to me. It's so bananas. So this one is called, or the article's titled, South Florida Couple Tries to Have Wedding at Stranger's Mansion Without oh. Getting Permission. <laughs> we talked about this on our walk. Yeah. So Courtney Wilson and Shanita Jones invited family and friends to their dream home and estate for their weekend wedding celebration. The ceremony Saturday, brunch on Sunday. There was just one problem. The com- couple didn't own the 16,000 square foot Florida mansion <laughs> and didn't have permission to use it. So basically, the house was like on the market. This couple went in and did an open house like viewing of it. They asked the owner if they could hold their wedding there. The owner was like, no. The couple thought the house was vacant. So they just all showed up to start setting up for their wedding one weekend. And he was like, the guy was still living there. And he was like, um, excuse me. What are no, you doing? The crazy part is that they sent out invitations, right? With like oh, the yeah. address of like, meet us at this mansion for our wedding. <laughs> yeah, they literally sent out invitations, everything like that. He said, the owner said he was stunned when the, like the groom showed up Saturday morning to set up and he called the police and said that the couple was harassing them and that they're insisting on having their wedding there and that it was God's message for them to get married there. No. And they were sitting at his property, like, right in front of the gate, demanding to be let in. How crazy is that? Just that is so... That's so Florida. So Wait, Florida. <laughs> I'm 
not going to show up to a house that's on the market yeah, they said- and have a wedding and plan a wedding there. The groom figured if it was a vacant house, it didn't really matter and didn't realize that Nathan, the owner, was still living on the property. It, it was like he... It's like one of those like properties with multiple homes on it sure. or whatever. So he was living on the property in a different home. So when oh they showed up, God. like it's a gated property, they're like, let us in. And he was like, what are, what are all you doing here? Yeah. And they're like, it's God's will for us to be here. <laughs> so like, just to, like, <laughs> they literally planned a wedding at an open house. That's what they were planning on yeah. doing. <laughs> and their wedding invitations were something bananas. Hold on, let me see. God had led them to their like their dream ceremony or whatever or something like that. And that's what they were telling the owners. Like it was God's will for them eye to get roll. married there. Huge eye roll. You're crazy. Yeah. That yeah. one gave me a good laugh. So thanks, Stree. No, we laughed about that really hard. Because yeah. we're like, really? Who shows up to an empty house thinking they can have a huge party? And it was like a two-day event, too. It wasn't even like a one-day like party that they were planning. And it was like a two-day event they were planning. And the audacity to sit there and like harass the owner and demand to be let in. You know what would be funny if like the invitations were like, disregard the guy in the, in the back, you know, in the back yeah. house shaving a shovel at us to completely disregard him. <laughs> If approached about trespassing, this is our story. Yeah, right? <laughs> God's will. All right, everyone. So if you have a Florida story, yes, send it to us. You can DM us like Dree did um, at a stranger danger podcast on Instagram. You can email us a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Stranger Danger, colon, a true crime podcast, or the group, colon, murder lovers. If you haven't done so already, please go on iTunes and leave a review. It's going to help other murder lovers who don't know that they're murder lovers yet, just like you, find us and enjoy what we're trying to do here, which is tell everyone about these crazy crimes and murders. Um, So go leave a review if you haven't done so already. We'd really, really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't gone on to Patreon.com yet, just search us Stranger Danger podcast and it will pop right up for you and subscribe on there. We'd love it. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.